I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's third and short. Ben's in the shotgun. Empty set. Wait, what? Empty set? Yeah, we saw it time and time again, didn't we? Sunday in Dallas. And really, if you think about it, over the Steelers' seven previous games, we saw it then, too. More and more and more, the NFL's last undefeated team seems to be relying on on the pass, even if they are in complete denial over this. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Steelers will take on the Bengals this Sunday at Heinz Field. 4.25 p.m. kickoff on that, by the way. I'm still not feeling particularly keen on the Steelers. Unpopular as that view undoubtedly will be. There are a bunch of reasons for that. And one of them is the fact that they seemed so thoroughly okay with totally scrapping their running game in the second half of that 24-19 victory over the Cowboys down in Arlington, Texas. I don't know that I've ever seen a Pittsburgh team do that. And no, I'm not saying that from the old stodgy uh, Franco Rocky in a cloud of dust perspective. It's a passing league. It's a league where you benefit from spreading a defense out. But when you're talking about no running backs taking the field, not just James Conner, you didn't see Benny Snell, you didn't see Anthony McFarland. there were six total runs in that second half. And, yeah, I get that they were trying to come from behind and everything else here, but in very, very obvious run situations, it didn't change. It was four receivers, Eric Ebron, the whole deal. Whatever it took to line up anyone who could catch a football across the line of scrimmage and just enough people to block for Ben, that's what they did. Wild stuff. Um, The explanation that was given between Ben and Mike Tomlin, who very much sounded on the same page over this, was similar to explanations they've given at different points over the season, which is they see something 
in the opponent's defensive personnel that they feel that that personnel can't handle if the Steelers emerge in that formation. And I'm willing to concede there's some merit to that. As soon as Dallas was unable to work from its clear strength in the game, which was uh, the pass rush, in particular Demarcus Lawrence, who was just dominant, I thought, up front. As soon as the Cowboys weren't able to do that, weren't able to bunch up in the middle, shut down the Steelers' run, uh, force things to the outside, the game did come with a different complexion. Ben was able to get back to some of that short passing. He was able to survey the field. He was able to find, for the most part, an open option. That's when he's been at his best. It certainly hasn't been when he's trying to fling it deep, as we saw again with the 0 for 5 that he put up in balls that traveled 20 or more yards in the air. But there's still something that's unsettling about it. Maybe it's the fact that Early on, James Conner actually looked like he was running okay. You know, he was getting four or five yards a pop. He was going through the middle, uh, running hard, finding a hole. A couple times he didn't hit the hole that was there, but more often than not he did. The numbers won't reflect that. I thought he was running okay. The run blocking wasn't there at all for anyone, not for Conner, Snell, McFarland, none of them. But Connor was okay. A running back needs to find a little bit of a groove. One of the things that I thought was odd about this was that Connor was yanked, not benched. When you say that, you think of it, you know, they're punishing him or something. But he was replaced fairly early on series by Snell, by McFarland. And I, I didn't get that. I didn't get the uh, the need to spell him that early. And that's clearly what they were doing because Connor absolutely was not hurt because he did come out for the very, very last offensive drive of the game in the fourth quarter and, of course, was thrown for that four-yard loss when the Steelers needed one yard to justify Tomlin's really dubious decision to not kick a field goal there and put the Steelers up by eight. I just didn't like it. It just didn't have a good feel to it. When I think of this offense and it functioning at its best, I think of the Cleveland game. It's hard not to think of the Cleveland game. It wasn't just the Steelers' most complete effort of 2020. It was their only complete effort of 2020. It really was. I know that sounds ridiculous to say about an 8-0 team, but it was. And that included the offense, and that included the passing game, and that included the running game. If we accept, and I'm not sure that we should, but just throwing this out there parenthetically, if we accept that the Steelers are not going to be a team that can stretch you out vertically, that they're not going to be able to hit a whole lot of down-the-field passes, for whatever reason, I 
I'm not going to suggest that there's any issues with Ben, certainly not his elbow, because he's overthrowing everybody. And I'm not about to bury the receivers because in the game in Dallas, for example, they were getting held left and right. So you didn't know whether or not Ben's timing was off or the officials were just not throwing the flags that they needed to or the receivers weren't being persistent enough or in Chase Claypool's case, why in the world all of a sudden he stopped being able to catch a football? We don't know that. But so far, through half the season, the Steelers have not been able to collect connect on deep passes. So when we've seen them when they've been good, it's been when they've mixed things up. They've taken advantage uh, of the run when it's been there. They've used it. Uh, not you know Ben refers constantly to his RPO as a read pass option, and they don't use them as much as he talks about them, but they've used them, particularly in the red zone to good effect. I, there's just something about this that was just unsettling. I mean, the whole game was unsettling. Look, everything but the outcome was unsettling. And not that they can take Cincinnati or really anybody else for granted after what happened in Arlington, but I wouldn't mind seeing them hit kind of a reset button on the offense. And yes, of course, that would include connecting on a deep shot or two. But isn't it crazy? We're still talking about a lot of this stuff here. All these imperfections that this team has, and there they are, sitting at the top of the league's overall standings at 8 0. What a weird year. Weird. When we come back, more football. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Entirely about the Steelers' offense, which is a weird offense, at least in terms of consistent performance. But there's been some oddity to the defense as well, and I don't think it was confined to the game against the Cowboys. And I don't think it had anything to do with, and this gets spoken a lot, 
them having some kind of letdown or mental whatever. I, I don't buy that for a second, not with the personalities involved, not with what I know about these guys and how they're wired. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Their current program is called Grow, Share, Thrive, and you can find out about it at growsharethrive.org. When you're there, you'll find out that their mission of feeding people in need and eliminating hunger across western Pennsylvania is in a place right now where if you donate $10, there's a matching gift of $5 that's applied. And the same thing extrapolates through all the higher math if you're able to give more than that. $1 is all it takes to provide enough food for up to five meals. So you can do a whole lot of good with even just a small donation. Again, that website is growsharethrive.org. Keith Butler, every once in a while, decides not to blitz. And while I respect that not every defensive coordinator for all eternity in Pittsburgh will be some facsimile of Dick LeBeau, I also understand that when you have a group of players that's better than anyone else's at getting to the quarterback, and then you're facing a quarterback who is maybe Dallas's fourth stringer, although with all the uncertainty that they had through the week in finally settling on Garrett Gilbert, I'd have to presume that he's probably a four and a half on the depth chart. And you have somebody like that back there, and you have a pretty good idea that Ezekiel Elliott's not anywhere near 100% with the bum hamstring and um, his availability not being clear until warm-ups. Go get him. What are you doing? What was all that dropping back? Bud Dupree was nowhere near the line of scrimmage. You've got a guy who has more takeaways than any player in the NFL since the start of the 2019 season. And there he was, falling back and flailing around in the secondary. For what? Who was he going back there to cover? Who did Dallas have offensively as a wide receiver or a tight end who was posing the kind of threat that would prompt a coordinator to concoct something so silly. And there are times I had a chance after flying back from Texas to watch this game again. And there were times in this game where Dallas was set up in very obvious formations that were just begging to be blitzed. And the Steelers didn't bring it. They kept dropping it. You know, I, I'm sure that when we get to Thursday again and we can ask Butler questions, and you know that can only happen once a week and never after games, 
he's going to come up with this and that about that package, and we thought they were going to do this and this. Who cares? You're facing a team that's 2-6 and six and missing pretty much most of anyone who'd matter. And you're doing something to adjust your defense's strength. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Your whole team's strength is rooted in your pass rush. It's the single best thing that you do as a football team. And you decide to defang yourself because of what a 2-6 and six opponent with no quarterbacks and half a running back are going to do to you or might do to you? You know, honestly, I don't want to be that guy who piles on to the coach and to the coordinators anytime there's a loss. And this wasn't even a loss. This was just a lousy W. Because I, I know that's the populist thing to do, and I know it's low-hanging fruit. I've gone over the individual athletes' performances, including the guys on the defense who did not play well, notably anyone at nose tackle in place of Tyson Lualu. It was not a good game for the defense. I know they only gave up you know, the one touchdown, and they, you know, had some bad field position setups thanks to the special teams and so forth, but they didn't play well. There's no one on that side of the ball who could or would suggest otherwise. But again, it doesn't help when your coordinator clearly spent the entire week preparing these guys for a threat that didn't exist. I'm not taking anything away from Gilbert. I'm not taking anything away from Elliot. Admirable that he played and whatever else here. But on top of everything else, then you find out in actual warm-ups that the Cowboys lost their center to a hamstring injury, and they backed off. They said, no, we got to respect what the Cowboys can do to us. And they didn't blitz. When people talk about giving an opponent too much respect, this is this is the kind of thing that that should jump out at you. Be the best version of yourselves. Pin the ears back and go after them. Go after them. There were times not only was Bud dropping back, but he was dropping back and there's like seven other guys running around back there with him wearing black and gold. Like what are you doing? What are you doing? This wasn't Tom Brady that you're trying to, you know, make sure that he can't have as many options as he'd like running around out there. This was Garrett Gilbert. Yeah! I'm going to talk about football in the next segment, too, but it, it won't be about this because you can see where I'm headed with this. The Steelers need to have a better performance this week. They can have their 9-0. They can beat Cincinnati, whatever else. They need to have a better performance both sides of the football. 
At Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Welcome back. Not sure how many headlines this made or how much attention it would have gotten nationally because I wasn't really as in tune with news and hat as I usually am uh, flying back from Dallas yesterday. But the NFL's competition committee, of which Mike Tomlin, of course, is a member, had a virtual meeting and discussed, really for the first time fleshing it out, the possibility of what's commonly being referred to now as a Week 18 buy. It, it, it would actually be an emergency week that is set up in case games have to be postponed, uh, pushed back, particularly as it relates to contenders. And within that, the league is discussing, or the committee, I should say, is discussing not only how to have basically an escape hatch for when teams get into trouble, but also how many teams are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I said that right. Um, I know it's it's been um, an unprecedented year, meaning in civilization, so we shouldn't really be surprised by uh, anything that happens. And yet here we are halfway through the NFL season, some teams have played nine games, some teams have played eight, but it's the halfway point for sure. We still don't know how many teams are going to make the playoffs. Like, gentlemen, you might want to figure this out at some point soon. The original plan, and the one for the record that's still in place, is that 14 teams will make it. Seven in each conference. The number one team in each conference will get a bye, and the other six will square off against each other, after which it gets whittled down. But what's being discussed instead is expanding that to 16 teams, which, if that rings a bell, that's what they have in the NHL and the NBA. And that would mean that half of all the teams in the National Football League would be in the postseason. And I know a lot of people turn their nose up at that sort of thing. They did in baseball. Baseball went for one time only to the 16-team format this year. And you know what? A lot of people really seem to like it. But baseball is a screwed-up sport on a lot of levels, notably at the major league level because of no salary caps. So there were teams that were in the playoffs that are like never, ever in them. So it was kind of neat novelty for at least a little while. Football doesn't really need that. I mean, football's got the best parity of any sport. But what they do need uh, 
is more of that flexibility and whatever else. But you ask yourself, in addition to the obvious pandemic risks that are applied here, why are you doing this with adding the team? Well, the reason is, and this is weird, it's been a show about weird. Have you noticed that? I must have used that word like 30 times already today. The reason that they're going this route is that if you think about it, remember I mentioned that number one seed is the only one that gets the buy in each conference? Well, if the number one seed is out for this week 18 escape hatch, if you think about it, there's a pretty good chance of that. Let's say that Steelers win the AFC. They, they finish as the top seed, obviously not out of the realm of possibility. And nothing happens to them schedule-wise where they're forced to participate in this Week 18. Then they would have that Week 18 off, and then they would have that first week of playoffs off, and then they would go right into an intense NFL playoff game. If that sounds to you like it would be an advantage, like, well, let's say so-and-so has got a bad hamstring or whatever, or it buys another week for this and that guy to come back when no one was expecting him to be able to. No, no, you do not want that. We have seen over the years the Steelers benefit from being that team that's facing the team coming off the bye. And we've also seen them be victimized by being that team that worked so hard to get that by. Because the other guys come in fresh and hungry and ready. And uh, I mean, I'm thinking right off the bat here to, to last year and the way Tennessee went into Baltimore and took care of the 14-2 and two Ravens. By the time the Ravens were really up to speed, up to playoff speed, the Titans had already set the tone and eventually just took the game over. No team can sit out for three weeks and then play an NFL playoff game. So I, I just want to share, I, I wanted to share here what some of the thinking was here, and I, and I get it. My, my main point here is that Tomlin and everybody else on this committee needs to step on the gas. Uh, everyone deserves to have some idea of how these playoffs will go, how many teams will make them, what the buy situation will be. And in that event, your optimal scenario for the Steelers is, sure, they, they win the conference, they win the number one seed, and they're not forced to play in that Week 18 so that they can finally get that bye that they lost earlier in the season with the Titans' outbreak. Thanks so much for listening today. When we come back tomorrow, I'm going to mix it up a little bit more. I'm going to mix it up a little bit more. Uh, it won't just be football. We're going to throw in some baseball and hockey as well. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.